If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. Well, first of all, just to say that you'll hear in this episode that we recorded this back in June. It's no longer June. It's November. I'm not really sure why it's taken so long to get this one out. I think maybe I was trying to save it for the right moment. And actually, that's quite laughable because the subject of stress feels infinitely applicable. So, yeah, sorry about that um, if it's confusing when you listen. But here it is now. Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics via honest conversations. This week we're going to be looking at stress and uh, I've just been navigating the stress of technology. It's not very interesting for the listener but I've just changed from um, plugging my headphones into, into my computer into my microphone now and I just sound a bit different and it's totally irrelevant and it shouldn't stress me out but it probably will in a small way. Anyway, I'm speaking to a great person about this subject. I always feel like I want to wave the uh, book that I'm referring to at the camera, but most people listen to this, so it's also irrelevant. But it's Dr Julie Smith, who is a clinical psychologist with over a decade of professional experience, having previously worked in the NHS with veterans and the MOD in addiction and crisis centres and now in private practice. She is also an online educator and social media star. That must be always a bit funny hearing that piece of language, (laughs) isn't it? Um, But she has a combined following of over 3.5 million people. That is a lot. Her book, Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before, is her first. And it's a mental health toolbook that is filled with ideas, techniques and insights to help you feel calmer, stronger and more resilient no matter what life throws at you. Since being published in January of this year, and what we are now, we are in June, this book has spent many weeks as a Sunday Times number one bestseller. I mean, that's extraordinary. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, it's still, it's still there, still hanging on. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, yeah, I think it's number two this week, I think, coming. Um, but yeah, it's a bit surreal to me, to be fair. <laughs> that's um, a remarkable achievement. Well done. But also, does that um, give us a glimpse into how people's heads are at that they are desperately reaching for a book like this which is extremely useful but it probably shows a bit of a collective yeah headspace doesn't it yeah and I think maybe it's a sign that you know people certainly with people that are contacting me saying you know thanks so much for the book I found it really helpful so I've bought a copy for my mom and a copy for my sister and a copy you know and then you're going through it together which is it's so nice to hear that because then you know that people are actually making use of it and and putting it into their daily lives which you know is what it was all about in the first place so phenomenal I mean that is everything you could hope for from a book really and especially with a lot of subjects you're dealing with if you can have more people within your circle and within your family having access to this way of thinking then it's only going to become even more than the sum of its parts if that's the right language yeah you can only ever want it to be you know as helpful as as it could possibly be and it's sort of the whole thing has taken on a bit of a life of its own I keep seeing pictures online of it on beaches and across the world and feeling jealous of my own book (laughs) but uh, no it's all good having living this best life (laughs) Amazing. So I always start with three quite more chilled questions before we get into the crux of it, which are, how are you really? What star sign are you? And what are your favourite crisps? Oh, gosh. Um, how am I really? I'm good. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. After a sort of 
a hectic couple of years um starting all of this and it kind of taking off like a rocket um i'm i'm finding a bit of balance again and and it's lovely oh. and that's come just in time for the summer so all good there um star good. sign i'm a pisces and i have no idea what that means about me um and favorite crisp probably have to be um Oh, what are they called? Those like McCoy's uh, salt and vinegar, crinkly things. They're good. They're great. Another one. Love them. Um, that's a very um, solid crisp, isn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. you're eating that. Um, you I'm a Pisces. Pisces are extremely emotional and very creative and very empathetic. Do you that's relate that, to that? Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day actually about, um, you know, why they thought I sort of got into this sort of work and. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether I, you know, where that sort of empathy and compassion came from. And I said about how I remembered as a child, um, I would, I was almost sort of over empathic. You know, I remember sitting in bed mm-hmm. at night and worrying about, you know, like on a dark, cold winter's night, worrying about all the animals that lived outside and whether they would be cold or not and stuff. You know, always kind of stepping into the experience of others and wondering what that was like and whether it was, you know, capable and, um, and at the time, that probably wasn't great for me, but um, that ability to and willingness to kind of step into someone else's experience and sit with that um, really, really helps me in the therapy room. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it sounds like perfect tools. I mean, it's always with any of these traits, they're kind of a, a gift and a curse, aren't they? Yeah. To be able to feel, to go into a room and feel what everyone else is feeling is ex- an exhausting way to exist, but also, yeah, amazing to step into that but it's definitely very Piscean. yeah um, you can use it as a strength you you? <laughs> yeah you can I think I have to do, it's just it's also that weird thing when you th- when you first comprehend that not everybody functions like that as well because if it's if it's innate to you, you you assume that's what it is to be a human and then the older you get you realize that that definitely isn't the case yeah yeah absolutely and I think it kind of um slips into that sort of need to um rest and replenish in between big social events or social interactions like you know they're really rewarding and exciting but it's also there's a real definite need to come back and um replenish and and do that sort of alone you know Mm, that's so true because if you have been in a social occasion and you know how everyone has felt there it, yeah, it is really tiring because I, I can come out of things with my husband and be like, oh, I can't, you know, I was a bit worried about her. They weren't quite themselves and the energy between them was this. And he's like, what are you on about? <laughs> what are you on about? I was literally just eating and drinking and chatting to people. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, you pick up on it's stuff. It's definitely right? worth being. Yeah. So we're, we're here to talk about stress. And actually my opening question, which links quite nicely to what you just said, is what are your kind of earliest memories of experiencing stress? Oh, um, that's a good question. Um, wow, if I go as early as I possibly can, I, I, the thing that comes into my mind is um, when I was learning to ride a bike. And of course, I wouldn't have ever experienced that as stress at the time or no, you know, had a word for that. But that level of sort of that increased level of alertness that you get where you are just sort of wired and you're in touch with your whole body because you have to be. And and I remember sort of, you know, my dad sort of pushing me along on this bike and then at some point looking back and realizing he'd let go. <laughs> and those moments that probably, you know, a lot of kids have and, and that sort of rush of adrenaline moment um, where there is fear and the realization that you are doing this thing, you just have to keep going <laughs> and then work out how to stop. Yeah. Um, so yeah, probably, that's probably one that comes to mind, I guess. And actually that's kind of a really beautiful metaphor because you know the best kind of stress is so often coupled with that oh my word this is really hard this is really difficult I'm really worried oh my word it's amazing it's happening I can breathe again and I think you know when I yeah when I think of good stress that is exactly it I remember I used to work at Facebook and at the time I was doing a lot of very big presentations and a colleague said to me, you know, don't fear those nerves because those nerves are your body preparing to bring its A game, you know, really yeah. embrace them. And, and and which is a great piece of advice. And I, I remember that really early with like what I used to call school dif- disco nerves, which isn't stress, it's kind of excitement, isn't it? But the, 
yeah, they're, they're, they're so closely linked, aren't they? The yeah. stress and thrill I guess yeah and and actually um that's something that really stuck with me sort of in the research so how you know what's happening in your body when you experience excitement is very very similar if not almost the same to what you experience when you're feeling um anxious or stressed you know it's that increase in your level of alertness like you say it's your body preparing to bring its a game so it's your body preparing to perform at its best um but it's in a situation where you need to be alert and to be able to um, make decisions if you need to. So, for example, I often um, talk to people about the, the sort of the stress and anxiety difference being, um, mm. let's say you, you, you know, you take some time off, uh, you, you take, you've got half an hour for lunch or something of work and you need to go and post something at the post office. So you dash down there, you know, you've got just about enough time and you get there and there's this big queue and... And you feel that rush of, oh, you know, that sort of adrenaline feeling. And that's your stress response, increasing your alertness so that you can reprioritize if you need to. So then you start to think, am I going to miss that meeting that I need to get back at one o'clock for? Um, how long is, do I think this is going to take? Is this really that important? Is the meeting more important? And And that sort of level of alertness that increases allows you to make those decisions whereas if you were just completely chilled and really didn't care then something might happen that that could be a bad thing for you so maybe the meeting was really important Mm -hmm. and you you know didn't want to miss it Um, or maybe that parcel has to go out today and it's sort of working out what your priorities are and um, because you know stress is really that your brain deciding um, of the demands placed on you in the outside world which ones are worth um, the allocation of resources to which ones are worth your energy mm-hmm. and um and so when, once you sort of feel that that little rush that you get if you are able to sort of make friends with it in the way that you did you know at, at facebook that that ability to allow it to be there because it means it's enabling you to do what you need to do then that mm-hmm. reframes the whole situation doesn't it like the lots of people use that the um the fact that anxiety feels the same as excitement lots of people use that to reframe anxiety and say well Mm. you know i can also be excited about this i could be anxious about going on stage in front of people but i could also be excited this is a this is a great life opportunity and and i could enjoy Mm -hmm. this and and so that's a really sort of great technique really so what is the difference between anxiety and stress your anxiety is so because when i'm go go yeah, so well, well, stress, you know, if we're talking about that sort of post office situation where you're in that, that mm-hmm. scenario, uh, you, might, you, you might experience that, um, that sort of threat response uh, kicking off and you would interpret that as stress. We, we conceptualize it differently if it's associated with um, uh, more threat. So you might experience that as anxiety if you anticipated that maybe you were definitely, you know, this had to go, this post office thing had to happen right now, but then that meant you were going to be 15 minutes late for a meeting in which um, you you're, you knew your boss was going to humiliate you for walking in late and then you would feel mm-hmm. judged and humiliated. So if, if there's a sort of psychological or physical threat, we tend to conceptualize that experience as anxiety rather than stress. But generally, we mm. just have that one system. So they're not sort of different biological functions. They're, they're the same thing that's happening in your body that's gearing you up to go. But how we conceptualize it depends on then the name that we give to it. Um, but in general, what's happening in your body um, is about the same. That's so interesting because actually when I was preparing your questions, I was like, oh, what are your earliest memories of stress? Some of my earliest memories, and this comes from my own mental health kind of journey, but my earliest memories of stress are tied up with my earliest memories of kind of panic, like panic attacks. I really remember, I mean, it's classic Sunday night, listening to the chart show or whatever. Was that what it was called? Yeah. You know, um, top 10 and doing my homework and and feeling what I now know to be a panic attack. And again, it's that kind of acute pressure, but the what, from what I'm understanding from what you're saying, the anxiety is when it shifts from, oh, I'm not just stressed about my exams. It's that I'm stressed about my exams and it will mean X, Y, and Z and like heading to yeah. somewhere much more g- genuine threat to my, myself and yeah, my yeah. world. 
Yeah, absolutely. If you anticipate some sort of threat and, and the, you know, the threat could be physical. So it could be that um, that feeling you get when you're, I don't know, you're crossing a road and you hear a car horn a bit too close and you get that kind of rush through your body and you, you know, dart to the curb quicker than you ever thought you could move um, because there's a physical threat. But you can also have those psychological threats. So, um, mm. you know, anything that would mean um, you potentially being... Um, sort of outcast from your community or judged by people that mean a lot to you. Um, those are all psychological threats, um, mm -hmm. but they have exactly this, you know, the same reaction in your body, the same response in your body happens because a psychological threat is and has been throughout history also a threat to your survival. So, you know, if there was a threat mm -hmm. to um, your integrity in your community, it might mean that you were abandoned or rejected by everybody. Um, that was a survival issue. So, you know, you had that stress response to enable you to do what was necessary to fix those, um, you know, relationships and bonds to enable you to stay in your in your community. Oh, I've never really thought of it like that because this is a bit of a jump. But, you know, the, the problem that we... I think I'm right in saying that we end up in a place where we have a lot of stress response now and that makes sense you know in a, in an area of social media where the, the the pool of people who could reject you is potentially bigger and therefore actually getting a bad comment for example can trigger that because it, it, it yeah somewhere in our core that is a threat to our survival because we're being rejected from the community yeah and there's a lot less control over it when you don't actually know the people that are judging you. You know, mm. you, can't, you can't work out what it is that you know. If you're if you're living in a small community and you know the people in your community and you know what they expect of you and what they favour and what they don't and what the general sort of rules or morality are in that mm -hmm. community, then you have you have a sense of security and safety by knowing what the boundaries are. Um, whereas when you're putting yourself yourself out to you know billions of other people potentially. Um, and they're all di very different with very different ideas about life from all corners of the world. Um, you ca you cannot control for what, you know, there is mm. nobody on the internet that is liked by everybody. And, um, but, it, but it still sets off that same system um, because we're trying to, you know, stay safe. So um, that's where that sort of um, disconnect is really. Yeah, so your body, in its, your body doesn't know can't differentiate the threat you know from a bear bad example but yeah someone yeah. That's, that's absolutely fascinating I've never thought of it like that yeah and I guess however much you tell someone to stop caring what people think um you can't convince yourself of that because it's it's in your biology to care what people think mm. um to a degree and mm. and while we can create sort of parameters around it and decide you know which opinions matter most and things there's always a sting mm -hmm. you know there's always a sting if somebody says something nasty about you um and you read it or you know hear it um it's it's never going to i think the minute you stop caring what anyone thinks completely you're probably in trouble socially anyway yeah, I think I think that's really interesting because, again, I'm speaking to a fellow Piscean, but I was like, why don't I have a, why aren't I tougher? Why do I got a thicker skin? But you you can't you can't have the thick skin, and be really connected to how other people feel because to be connected by how other people feel and be empathetic, inherently you're going to be conscious of their reaction to you, and you know it's learning to be rational about that and not not ladder too far one way or the other, but. Yeah, I defy anyone to to read difficult stuff about themselves and not have some response. Or you, I would suggest, like you say, you something's tuned out if that becomes totally easy to deal with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I would have also been mulling is the kind of concept of being addicted to stress or or habitually sitting in stress. Which again, this is something personally where you're stressed, you're stressed, you're stressed, and then you don't, you kind of get to a point where you don't really know how to exist in another way. Yeah, and, and it becomes, uh, I think there's probably issues around it in terms of um, our individual lives, but also as a culture, you know, and, and the sorts of things everybody does every day, and um, that you sort of, it becomes so entrenched in the way that we live our lives. So I don't know, let's mm -hmm. say, um, 
during the winter I had the 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 TV coming on at a certain time to, to just help us all wake up you know in the dark mornings and stuff where there's not enough light and it was just sort of more stimulation in the morning to help us all wake up and um and I noticed, you know, it always comes onto the news channel. And you think, oh, why why am I waking up to this? You know, I could mm. feel the trigger of stress through my system when, you know, it would come on at the time when there were headlines on and it would always be the C words, you know, crisis and chaos and, you know, all of these things where they wake up everybody and it wakes you up for sure, but not in a positive way. And I think, mm. you know, partly we're sort of... Um, we're entrenched in these lifestyles where we expose ourselves to things that that trigger stress that's probably not helpful Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and I think part of you know making stress useful rather than something we just sort of addicted to is um is exposing ourselves to stress that helps our life or enhances our lives in some way so you know there's the stress I feel before I um I don't know go on a podcast or you know Mm -hmm. go on the tv or the radio to talk about you know, the things that I've been doing and, and trying to spread the word about, you know, how to look after your mental health and those sorts of things, that to me has purpose and that stress enables me to to do something meaningful with my life and and I know I can then recover from it afterwards and replenish. Um, whereas the stress of, I don't know, if I decided to have the news on in the background all day or um, anything else, then that's useless stress to me that's triggering my stress Mm -hmm. response but it's not helping my life in any way it's also not helping the lives of the people that I might be exposed to that you know I can't help or whatever it is so um and it's you know while it may be useful to be informed um I think we kind of maybe say that more than it's true um so Mm. you know it's, it's useful to be informed to a degree if you are then willing or able to turn that into meaningful action probably Mm. probably 95 99 percent of the time we're not um we are trying to survive ourselves you know trying to keep roofs over our heads and um work and Mm -hmm. and all of those things so then you've got to ask yourself you know how much of this is me um just triggering my body for no reason and how much of it is is helping me and other people yeah it it's so true this is a bit of an aside but i um I've talked about this a lot in here, but I wore a glucose monitor for a month and it was really fascinating. And I could see my stress response show up in my blood sugar. And then what you do, you've got that spike, you have a crash, you have something to lift yourself back up, a coffee, some sugar, and then you're doing this. And so you're you're kind, as you say, if you set that tone within minutes of you waking up, you've sent your body into this space for the rest yeah. of the day. And if you know, if our stress responses are meant to be useful and you're using them on X, then you've got less ability to use them on Y. Yeah, then then you're kind of kind of at odds with yourself, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of us don't um, maybe know or appreciate how the system is supposed to work at its best. So, you know, stress will be really, really useful for you if you treat it with the respect it deserves, you know, that... that mm-hmm. Um, so generally our brains are always you know taking in information from the outside world about the demands placed on us and from there it will decide do we allocate those extra resources to this so do we allocate that stress response to enable you to do what you need to do to meet that demand and if at some point you know your brain decides yes this is worth it and you get that rush of um, stress that helps you to do that thing and meet that need or meet that demand then your brain wants something back for that it's given out really finite um precious resources and mm. that's okay if you then put something back into the system you know it's a bit like a bank account if you keep taking cash out without ever putting anything back in there's only so long you can do that for before the whole thing's depleted um and generally what your brain wants back is something in return in the way of um nutrition uh, good nutrition um social connection rest and replenishment or hydration, you know, those sorts of basic things that um, nurture your body um, and enable you to um, replenish and then lean back into stress. Yeah, that's there's a couple of things that really stood out for me in the book and that idea that we're never going to rid ourselves of stress or unlikely to. 
and therefore kind of striving for that it, it doesn't get you anywhere but, but what you can be striving for is is those moments of relief and i i love some of the examples you give like being mindful while you clean your teeth and or in the shower you know again i often talk about we don't have to go to the extremes on this but it but it's not scrolling the news whilst you're cleaning your teeth it's like let yourself just sit let your nervous system yeah recoup itself yeah i think that's the sort of um the tricky part with a lot of what was um you know put onto social media when all this sort of um subject around stress became more popular was you know you'd see images of influencers on a, a beach in bali meditating for three hours before breakfast or whatever you know and 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 it all looks really nice and it probably makes you feel more stressed because it makes you envious of some sort of dream lifestyle that you don't have and that they probably don't really have either um and and actually what you what you need to be able to deal with stress in a healthy way is is not that it's something on the daily and probably the most helpful thing i've heard is about taking back those in-between moments, you know, that sort of, mm-hmm. uh, that we have seemed to fill up, that we used to, before, before you know, technology took over our lives, there were moments of quiet in between things mm. where mm. you might do something mundane, but when you're doing that mundane thing, you're not also, um, you know, listening to something on your phone or, you know, haven't got sort mm. of a, a YouTube video on in the background or whatever mm. it is. And, and your brain is enabled then to to calm itself and replenish so that you're able mm-hmm. to do something else. And, um, and you know, if you, ha- let's say you have back-to-back, you know, almost back-to-back meetings all day, and then you've got like a 15-minute window between meetings, a lot of people will go, oh, I'll just get a few emails sorted and then that's done. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, then what you've done is you've re-triggered your stress, resp- stress response in between meetings. There's no replenishment. What if you took that 15 minutes and you you know, went out to, you went outside and you just walked outside for 10 minutes or you even, you know, went to your car, reclined the seat and closed your eyes for 10 minutes. And, <laughs> and what you're doing then is having proper, you know, deep rest for a moment. And it really doesn't take long, if, you know, to use those in-between moments to then go back into that situation. And mm. I think, you know, you're going to perform much better in the next meeting if you've had a moment to yourself rather than if you've been harassed by emails that... Um, you know, demand more and more from you. And yeah, I don't know the science behind it, but we all know that thing where you actually, in the end, you can't really think straight because because you're constantly in this alert, you know, if you're doing it over and over again. And so often, and I'm not good at it, but I'm trying to, yeah, not pick up my phone when I'm sitting on a train and try and do a food shop. And actually, given given that opportunity, your brain does untangle things. You you do kind of realise that the... the um, the example I always give, it was coming up to World Book Day and I was um, wanted to go on my phone to try and find a costume and then for some reason I couldn't, maybe the um, it was run out of battery or something. And then I was just, so I sat with my thoughts and then bit by bit, I kind of, my brain went around our house and thought, actually, you've already you've already got the stuff for that in, in the home. But because I'm so busy trying to get things done, trying to cram things in, kind of staying on that high octane moment, yeah I'm, I'm I'm not allowing myself that moment of contemplation which can actually be really useful yeah absolutely you kind of just focus on what's the next thing I need to do what's the next thing I need to do and and actually when you when you give yourself a little bit of space to just think um then uh it's incredible how that can like you say just untangle just gives you a moment of clarity mm, yeah it, but you're you're so right about the um the those in between moments and I think it comes back to an important thing because actually when someone now says to you oh how are you and if someone was to respond and say I'm really stressed a that feels like quite a normal response and there's an element sometimes that that feels like something to be proud of you know we're obsessed with the idea of productivity aren't we of trying to cram every moment in but yeah it's not sustainable and it, and it, we should try and not admire being constantly stressed Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I think there is something to be said for that sort of culture of, um, 
you know, everyone needs to be chasing money or fame or both and, and be super busy and, and get up at 5am and, um, you know, be the perfect parent and the perfect employee or the business, perfect business owner. And um, it's just, it's, a, it's all a bit of a lie that is there to sell stuff to us. Um, and the sooner we can sort of wake up to that, the better, I think. Yeah, and I think actually you mentioned in parenting, it's really important to add that there's no denying that having kids adds unbelievable moments of stress. It's that classic, isn't it? You're just about holding it together and then somebody gets ill. They always get ill. And, and you know, that is a, a point when your stress response is useful. So what am I trying to say? Our base level of the moments of stress is quite high anyway. So we then need to do ourselves a favour and accept that we can't then cope with being super up to date with the news, for example, because I often feel guilty about that. But as you say, what am I going to do with that information? What is actually better is that I am a bit more recouped, so I might actually have a less extreme response to my child, who it is important that I'm, I show up well for. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? When you when you fill your life to the max, then all all it means is when other things happen which they do like i don't know a child getting ill that kind of thing um then it then everything overflows and it all feels out of control mm. and um and actually if we sort of took everything down a notch and lived at a more manageable level um mm-hmm. we we just have to carry that guilt of i'm not being productive enough with us i think um but yes. inevitably the payoff from that would be um that you're more able to to deal with the normal ups and downs of life and um, and the stress levels would be lower and which improves your health and your happiness and everything else. I mean, I mean that's a really important point to, yeah, to pick up on, that actually genuine high-level stress in your, in, in your life for a long period of time is genuinely bad for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit like, you know, chronic stress is a bit like, driving your car in second gear on the motorway like you know that's you know will get you somewhere but not for long until you know things will start to um fall apart after a while and um you know i think that's where this culture of okay i'm just going to work myself to the absolute bone but i know i'm going to go on holiday for two weeks at the end of the year so if i can just get to there i can just get to there and then you get to there and you you're sick because you are Mm. essentially burnt out and and you're um I there's a great sort of uh, bit of research about how your um your, the adrenaline in your system when you're living on a, in high stress mode all the time that adrenaline sort of props up your immune system and so when you then wow. shut down after a long period of time and you finally take that break yes your adrenaline comes down but your immune system comes down with it so um it's this you know I mean I just found that fascinating that because everybody talks mm. about don't they how um, you know, I you know, work, 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 and then I go on holiday and I get sick and, and, and then I don't get to enjoy it anyway. And um, I think that's a big sort of eye-opener um, for me and probably lots of people that, you know, you can't, it's not sustainable. And actually, mm. the, the if you can take back smaller moments of time, but every day, it adds up to more than the two equal at the end of the year and it makes everything more sustainable for you. What we have to deal with though is that little voice inside our head that says, I shouldn't be taking this break. I, I need to, mm. I, I've still got that to do, I've still got that to do, I've still got that to do and I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And if we can kind of manage all of those shoulds and mm-hmm. prioritise rest in everyday life in small ways, um, you know, it doesn't mean you have to... Um, I don't know, take huge amounts of time off every day, but it's mm-hmm. but it's finding those small moments to do stuff that's actually rest. So not, you know, picking mm-hmm. up your phone and scrolling, uh, which is also triggering, you know, your stress response. Um, it's taking back those moments and prioritizing that. Um, it could change things in a really big way. Yeah, and and it it's so, it, this is what's maddening. I'm, I'm mad in myself for it. it it's It's really doable. Mm. but I think what we have to accept is it has to be a really conscious decision repeatedly you know I have to move my phone away from myself sometimes I I have to you know oh you should go for a walk oh no but you could do this oh you just do this things like no go and as you say it's amazing how a 10 minute walk at lunchtime 
I know, yeah, as I say, it shouldn't be the, the end goal, but it does make me more productive mm. and it does make for a better time. But it, yeah, you can definitely get stuck in that. If I don't feel on this high octane kind of feeling, then then I'm not working or existing in the most in the most effective way I could. Mm. Yeah. And it's and it's just not true, is it? You know, it kind of we no, almost have to redefine success in that sense that yeah. um, life is successful if I'm if I'm having a good time <laughs> and if I'm and if I'm present. Yeah, yeah. If I'm actually here and um, and not focused on creating some you know future that isn't here yet entirely. Oh my word, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> but one line which might feel like a contradiction to this, but I think it's important. There's a beautiful line in the book which is, "You can't untangle stress from a meaningful life," and I guess yeah. this is pulling away from the like unnecessary stress. But know that some of those those you know new jobs. Uh, big life events, doing things that are outside of your comfort zone, you know, running a marathon, whatever. Those yeah. those are also the most amazing things where that stress is, is, is worth it. Yeah, for sure. And actually, you know, I've been living that journey the last couple of years since I started, oh, you know, obviously before I was working one-to-one with people in the therapy room. Um, and then once I started to share the, the educational content online and the videos on, on social media and things, um, it, it grew into this, you know, there were lots of opportunities, but lots of them were very outside of my comfort zone. So I'd be doing, you know, things like this or radio or I'm um, going on the TV and different things. And, and they weren't in my comfort zone. They weren't something that I had aspired to do, mm. but they were part of something meaningful to me that I had access to all this great knowledge and education about how people can manage their mental health. And I wanted to get it out there. So it meant more to me to to increase the chances of somebody who needed it coming across it than my own comfort did. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I have the chance to go and talk about these sorts of things in a big arena, then I will do that and I will face my discomfort and I will experience that stress because it means something to me and I want to have that positive impact. And um, so I'm much more able to hold on you know manage that stress and sort of make friends with it in a way um like we were talking about before because I have this meaningful goal that um is based on my values so yeah Mm. I think um if, if you're if you're working on something and having a meaningful life and and you know, the obstacle is the way and all that. Um, with the, I love that quote, but it's the sort of, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're focused on those things, you will experience stress along the way. If you're able to acknowledge that system for what it is, which is helpful to you, if you treat it with respect, then mm-hmm. it's all good. Um, it's when we sort of get wrapped up in um, ideas of what we should be that aren't really based on what it means to be human and our need for rest and replenishment. Yeah, I think that's that's so powerful. And I think what you've touched on as well, it's those boundaries around it, both in terms of you've 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 made the exchange, you've made a conscious exchange in your head, but also I had um Jessica Innes Hill on the podcast and she was talking about when she was training after she'd had a baby and she said, you know, I I of course I didn't want to be away from my young kids for extended period of time but I knew that there was this window for me to achieve this in my career and then I'd be back and you know doing that long term wouldn't have been good and it would have been extremely stressful but there was decisions around it and I think you know we can all sit in periods of stress what what we need to catch ourselves on and I've definitely felt periods of this where it is kind of overwhelmed towards burnout is like oh next week it'll be better next week it'll be better next week it'll be better until you eventually go on that holiday and you and you crash you you can't keep yeah sitting there hoping that something's going to shift you've got to be aware of trying to control that for yourself I suppose yeah that's true and I think that happened for us um here you know I've got three children and and when all of this started to happen it felt like it could all be it would all just stop at some point, you know, next week, next month, it will all disappear and it'll be that sort of thing that we did. So um, we treated it from the beginning as something that was about to switch off. And so we tried to sort of maximize um, the impact that we could have at the time. And it carried on for longer than we thought, Um, you know, two and a half years later, here we are. And um, so somewhere along the way, we had to sort of recognize, okay, this isn't going away. So we need to treat it like the long game now and 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. we've we've made, you know, good inroads and that's great and, and that was worth it. But now we need, you know, and I sort of took back that day, uh, you know, to be with my youngest son in the week who's not at school yet and those sorts of things so that we could do the things that um, I did with the other two and, you know, take him to little football clubs and stuff. And, um, and well, my, my life is so much better for it. I probably get less done, mm. but um, I wouldn't swap it for anything. No, but but importantly, there is that moment where, however, that conversation happened, where you're like, I actually consciously need to make a shift rather than hoping that that one day in the week would come back. You know, yeah. it's so easy, isn't it? Yeah. How yeah. old are your children? I'm thinking we uh, mine mine are nine, seven, and four. Are you in a oh, similar close. spot? Yeah. So yeah, three, seven, and nine. So yeah, pretty much the same. Um, yeah, and it's, it's wild, isn't it? <laughs> wild is the word. Yeah, that's that's probably what I would say. And I think it's wild because in in our sort of you know we're living in a time when we've made so many shifts in terms of the roles of women and our ability to be out in the workplace and those sorts of things. Um, but there's there's not really the recognition that when you when you step out of work mode and you're in mum mode that's not time off that's not resting that's you know you've got to be enthusiastic in a different way and uh it's it's just a whole new um different set of demands on you and so mm-hmm. um i yeah i think i think that's where it probably gets tricky for people you know i mean i remember when i was working in the nhs and i had two of my three children they were really young and it was you know almost any night in the week they one or both of them would be up at least once mm-hmm. and and then i got up at you know six or something got everyone ready and i'd get off to work and, and by the time i got to the office at nine o'clock I'd sort of, I'd feel like I needed some sort of fanfare or like award for getting, <laughs> you're well, here, you've, you've only had four work. hours sleep. Yeah. And I'd feel like, you know, I'd really achieved something because I got there. And then it's the reality that, oh, oh yeah, now you've got to do the mm. day's work. And, um, or, you know, you get to the end of your day's work and you think, oh, now I can, oh no, I can't rest. Now I've got to go and gather up the children and be enthusiastic about their day and, and find something for them to eat and clear up and da, 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 da. And, and so, it's that sort of um, your time out from work isn't time out. It's it's more mm. it's more work. So I think we have to be really really creative as parents, don't we? And and find mm. those little in between moments. And like driving has been, probably been one of mine. So I'll have you know I like to listen to audiobooks and stuff. So I like to listen to something. That's the sort of quiet moment for me to just have a little mm. moment to myself. I'll listen to a little bit of a book, maybe while I'm driving. And it's only just down the road to go and do the school run mm-hmm. or something. But I've just taken back a little bit of me time or something like that. And um, and so those sorts of things really help because the reality as a parent is you just don't get the big moments, I think. No, that is so true. And it, it's trying to accept where the, yeah, where the stresses are always gonna be. Because again, it, it's removing those shoulds, isn't it? Because I remember when early parenting and I would look at how I used to work before I had kids and then couldn't understand how I couldn't work in the same way anymore. But you've just got so many more things that you're navigating and so many more stress points but you've got to go you've got to go easy on yourself and and the older I get I hope I'm getting better at at understanding my own capacity and and getting stopping before before you have the the breakdown when you when you get on holiday which as you know is is yeah it's hard is because we can be believing that we'll get to the holiday we'll get the holiday oh no I've still got three kids you know that's still a whole other world of stress yeah and I think it's sometimes tricky to work out which of these pressures are are placed on me and will mm. lead to consequences if I don't you know meet those demands and which of those pressures am I putting on myself to um mm-hmm. to help me believe that I'm being enough or I'm I'm doing enough or getting it right and and you know some of the if you if you have that really honest conversation with yourself it can be really revealing about how much we're doing um, to to monitor, and monitor is not the right word, but how much are we doing to ensure that other people are thinking of us in the right way? You know, the sort of, um, mm. am I keeping up with the other mums or am I um, doing everything that everyone else is doing for their kids? And am I, you know, doing it in the right way? And um you're making it look pretty on Instagram while I do it and you know it's those sorts of if you can start to work out what the, the what's mm-hmm. the necessary stuff 
and what's the fluff that is about everyone else's opinion of you um it can really mm-hmm. help to sort of let go of some of those things yeah i always think as well um i noticed you've just been on zoe motherkind's podcast and she always in relation to like uh, christmas and birthdays she's like make sure you're focused on making it think about how it feels not about how it looks yeah you know it doesn't matter that it's like color coordinated has the getting the food on the table at that party been the least stressful version of that possible so that as a mum you can be there and hopefully try and enjoy your child's birthday whereas if you're so yeah so obsessed with stressing over the the appearances and and then you're not present it's all for nothing and I, I often come back to that yeah yeah it, I'm, that's a great I'm, I'm scribbling it down as you speak it's about how it feels not about how it looks that's that's golden yeah and and the thing is your kids will remember that won't they they'll yeah. remember the energy of of their and I'm not saying that we should all then be sailing around being these serene mothers but as as per the theme in this podcast we have to accept the stresses that we've put on ourselves you don't yeah. need to do the fancy cake you know go and buy them um, one from the supermarket cover it and smarties they'll be really happy and so <laughs> really happy we're doing the fancy <laughs> yeah, really really happy the reason we're doing the fancy cake is some kind of validation of, of something that doesn't really exist anyway so yeah we've got yeah. we have to be responsible for taking the unnecessary stresses out of things where we can yeah you're right and and often those things you know are influenced by the opinions of other parents rather you know it's the parents that ask so did you make the cake it's not the children children don't care whether you made the cake or not or whether you were up till 2am decorating it you know in perfectly they care whether their friends are going to turn up and they're going to have some time with you and you know have a giggle and they are they're the experts around how to you know live a joyful life right they are they Mm. live in the moment that that's what they're really focused on and um we i think we do a lot to you know take a leaf out of their book really yeah always and 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 save this the stress response for places where it's valuable and useful and and we can yeah not spread it around in all these other places Mm. i'm really like after these conversations i you just think oh why don't i do that longer walk at lunch why don't i do this and (laughs) you have to keep reminding yourself don't you yeah yeah because the the pressure to you know do the other things is always there so you have to keep working on it and um I don't know it's just like anything like you know dental hygiene doesn't happen because you you know spend half an hour cleaning your teeth today you have to do the two minutes every day so you have to keep pushing for um doing it consistently um Mm -hmm. and you have to keep uh it, it it sort of um it wears off doesn't it if you if you don't reapply every day and and go back to it so Mm -hmm. it's okay that we have to keep working on it I don't think that's a sign of us failing I think that's a sign of the pressures that we face all the time yeah it's so true it's just a little reset but the only way you get those resets is to allow yourself to have evenings and weekends and holidays or the equivalent of that yeah yeah which just shouldn't shouldn't sound like a a revolutionary (laughs) concept you know what I like just didn't do anything all weekend what yeah somebody said that to me yesterday I said nobody ever has those days anymore where we say I've got nothing on <laughs> you never hear no, that anymore never. unless it's true no I know jam-packed and actually that's there's not much that I'd take back from the pandemic but there was something when in the t- times when it was beginning to ease and you could just locally to people be like oh you're around this weekend or you know can we go and meet in the park and that w- was kind of available but suddenly we're back to a time of chock-a-block diaries aren't we yeah yeah well thank you so much I've got two questions before we go I was gonna say anything you've got to shout about I mean this book doesn't need much more shouting about but you should (laughs) shout about this brilliant book yeah it's called why has nobody told me this before because um that's what people used to say to me in therapy basically I you know um people don't realize that you you do a lot of talking in therapy but you also learn quite a bit about uh, how your mind works, how you can impact on your emotional state and your mood and your stress levels and all those things. And I found that a lot of people, once they had that bit of education, they were so mm-hmm. raring to go. They were so empowered by the fact that there are some really simple things you can do every day that help and that, that enable you to stay well and, um, and you know, be closer to being at your best. So 
I just wanted to make that more available and um, mm -hmm. so it felt like the right title for that kind of book that it's it's this bunch of uh, you know things about how your brain works and how your mind works um, that you can use to your advantage it, yeah it's it's really brilliant and it's just like excellent thing after excellent thing it's very very easy to digest because again if your mind, mind's a bit pickled it can't always be easy to reach for tools that help you but this is extremely easy to read thank you in the best possible way and my last question is if you could have an honest conversation with one person who would it be and what would you say an honest conversation um myself <laughs> oh that's such a psychologist response isn't it yeah. um but yeah i think sometimes they're the most difficult ones to have aren't they and um mm -hmm. uh asking yourself the the tough questions and then really getting honest with yourself about um you know how the things you might be doing can make the situation better or worse and why you're choosing mm -hmm. what you're choosing um when i do have those sorts of moments with myself it's usually pen to paper and i do that by writing things down um uh it always seems to have a positive impact a little positive shift mm -hmm. in the right direction for me um but it, it's not always easy it's painful because you have to get honest with yourself um and take responsibility for your part in things so yeah that that is the one isn't it we're, we're all responsible for ourselves it's quite a uh, uncomfortable thing to be to yeah. sit with but it but it is the case yeah yeah absolutely and and um it's uncomfortable but so helpful if you're able to sit with that discomfort and mm -hmm. and start doing the things necessary you realize how empowering that really is and and that's really the whole you know thing about the book and why I was doing this stuff on social media is that people would realize once they had this bit of education that they didn't have to depend on me they could you know it's, it's the process of me putting myself out of business basically <laughs> that you know if that you you know you can take control of your health and things like that and you can do mm -hmm. these things for yourself that that make a big difference and and that can be although that's uncomfortable at first because with power comes responsibility um but also that that then you can take some things into your hands and and mm. feel empowered by that well thank you very much it's been it's been a really interesting conversation and yeah one i always know they're good ones when i want to go and take action myself so thank you so much <laughs> for your time and you know, your busy schedule <laughs> thank you thanks for having me well that was a um, very useful conversation i was really struck with Dr. Julie that she was on the one hand so emotional and empathetic and kind of switched on but also able to be really logical. It would have been annoying to ask but I'd quite like to know the rest of her birth chart. And more than that, I just related to everything she said. I've been trying to cut up quotes to put out to promote this episode and if you could see my notepad beside me, it's almost every single bit of conversation could be a quote she's one of those people who's brilliant at distilling things and and um, giving you sound bites to think about but I really enjoyed it I wish I could say with the uh, benefit of time <clears throat> that I'd been taking lots of our conversation and turning it into action however this is a good reminder that I am going to do that more walks more pauses more taking back that moment to try and compensate for stress and trying to sit back and realize if what I'm feeling is actual stress or just a stress response that perhaps could be not ignored but um, calmed in some way. So that's that and thank you so much for listening. That's another episode of But Why Done. Please do come and follow us. We're at But Why Podcast on Instagram or send me an email butwhy at clemmytelford.com and otherwise, um, yeah, tune in next week. I am... Now, off to try and cobble together these Halloween outfits for my kids. We are going trick-or-treating tonight. Uh, yeah, I think we have most parts of it, but I'm sure there'll be a last-minute panic and probably have to sacrifice some black eyeliner along the way. Anyway, that's it. See you next week. Goodbye.